Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and we ask ourselves, do our dollars make sense? So thanks for joining me for another episode. Today, I want to take you through the journey of how I purchased my van. And what we're going to be talking about today is the different ways that we finance things throughout our lives. We pay cash for things, we bank finance them, or we lease them. Because I think y'all are honest people. I don't think you stole the item. So we're going to get into the episode about how I went through the journey and I purchased my van. Now, I want to take y'all back too. Because when I first started this whole journey of even having the idea of wanting my own van... I told y'all before, I'm a huge YouTube nerd, and I was out there and I was just looking at all of these vlog channels and these van vloggers, they were going out across the country, and I was like, you know, that's what I wanna do. And on top of that, I go to a lot of music festivals, and sleeping in a tent, it gets hot in the middle of the summer months when you don't have the AC from the van, you gotta lug all of the portable ovens and everything out there to cook the food. So I thought it would be even a cool idea to have this van so that when I go to these music festivals, I basically have my own little studio apartment right there parked in the middle of the field. So I journal a lot, all right? So for my listeners too, If y'all don't do this, I highly recommend it. Now, I'm not a life coach, (laughs) but I love to journal. I think journaling is a great way to get your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts out on paper. And really seeing the thoughts and getting it out there, I think it clears up the mind a little bit and you can make some decisions that maybe you were thinking irrationally or thinking out of emotion. So you're kind of getting your thoughts out there. Sometimes too, actually I was at a mastermind and I was listening to a speaker um, speak (laughs) and he was up there and he was talking about how he doesn't even go back and read his journal entries. And I kind of agree with him. You know, the journal entries is just to get shit out there on paper. You know, I don't need to go back and read all of those negative thoughts or maybe times that were going on in my life, but it's really just to clear the mind. And so what I did at the start of the 2021 year, I said, hey, by the time that this year is up, I'm going to have myself a van. Now, I really didn't have any plan of action set before that, but I just had this thought that, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to purchase myself this van because this is what I want. And like I mentioned on past episodes, I do believe in manifestation. So if I'm really putting my thoughts and my energy out there, I think I can put it to work and it can really become a real life tangible thing to me. So I started writing about it. I started uh, imagining myself on the road with Daisy and come to find out, you know, I I was really pushing it. I was kind of bugging dad every day saying, hey dad, I really, really want this van. Can we please go get this van? (laughs) So I was kind of bugging dad about it and I was really speaking it into existence. So what I did though is, is that, you know, in order to obtain this item, 
I got to buy it somehow. All right. And so in this episode, we're going to walk through the different ways of how I could have went out and I purchased this van. Now, I know y'all who have been following me for a little bit, you know how I went and I purchased the van. I used my policy, Bonnie. But I want to walk through if I did not have my policy, what would happen and what would be the different options that I could go and I finance this van. So we'll get into that. Now, a few announcements before we get into the episode here today. Um, our events live on the website, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash events. Now, stay up to date with us on our social medias as well. So The Money Multiplier on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We're always posting virtual events that we're doing. So actually, just this past Tuesday, we held a three-hour live training. And all this stuff is free. All y'all got to do is just register for it. Um, Myself, Dad, and Chris Noggle, we hosted a three-hour training. Y'all, 277 people on that thing. Like I said before, y'all showed out in the May episode, and now y'all showed out in the June episode as well. So stay tuned. There will be a July one posted, and even there's a money tank event that's happening in Raleigh, North Carolina, August 4th and August 5th. So go to the website and you can see how you can register and purchase tickets for the live event. Now we are charging for the live events. All right. But for all the virtual stuff, no, we never charge or do anything. So come out. It'd be a pleasure to meet you in person. Now let's get into the episode. Let's talk about the first way that folks may buy items, paying cash for things. I know we love to pay cash for things because y'all think if you pay cash for stuff, number one, you don't got to make any payments, and number two, you don't have to pay any interest. But let's think about this. When you pay cash for items, what you're doing is you are accumulating that money somewhere. Normally, it's in a regular checking or savings account. You're accumulating the dollars over there and you're saving up in preparation for this item. So in this example, let's say it's the van. So what you're doing is you're putting dollars away maybe each week, each month into that account until you save it all up till that you have the full purchase price for that van. And then what you do is you go down to the dealership, you talk to the car salesman, and you pick the van that you want. And what you do is you write out that check from your checking account and you go and hand it over and now you just paid cash for the van. So the car salesman, they have the money, you have the van and everybody walks away. But now, do you agree that when you go and purchase something like a van, it, it is a depreciating asset because as time goes on, you're going to put miles on it and the value of the van is going to decrease. So you're going to have to save up and sometime in the future, you're going to go have to purchase yourself a new van. So what you got to do day one is you got to start saving back up for the next van purchase. So day one, what you got to do, start putting that monthly or weekly deposit contributions back into that savings account so that, hey, later on down the road, I'll have enough cash bucket available for the next van purchase here. 
Now, we like paying cash for things because we don't have to make any payments. We bought the item, one transaction, and it's done. But honestly, I mean, all of it is payments in a sense, right? Let's say it's a $20,000 van, and instead of doing one transaction of $20,000, let us say you did four transactions of $5,000. It's literally all the same payments, it's just in small increments amounts. You see what I mean? So the payments are always gonna be there, no matter if it's in one lump sum, or if you break it up and divide it into subsequent ongoing time periods. So the payment's always gonna be there, but you aren't paying any interest. You're not paying any interest to another financial institute. However, you are now losing on the future earning rights on that capital. So here's what I mean by that. Let's say it's a $20,000 van that you wanna go purchase. That 20,000 that we've been talking about that you're saving up inside of your savings account, that 20,000 is down at the local bank earning some form of interest. I know it may not be a lot, but it's earning you some interest sitting there at the local bank. So what you've just done is you've taken that 20,000 out of your bank account and you just went and paid cash for the van. So now, in order to get that 20,000 back inside of the bank account earning you interest again, working for you, you got to go save up for it. You got to go back out there into the working world and you got to go create that $20,000 of capital again so that you can get it back inside of your savings or checking account up to that $20,000 balance again. So when y'all go pay cash for things, you are losing out on all of the future earning rights of that money. So that's why, yeah, I like paying cash because, you know, hey, I don't have to pay any interest to anybody else, but I'm losing out on the opportunity cost, that future earning rights that that 20,000 could have earned for me. Cause you know, hey, if I would have just left it inside of my savings account over the course of the next five years, I would have been earning some interest on that capital. Again, I know it's not a lot, but I would be earning some interest on that capital. So now I got to go out, work for it again to get it back inside of that savings account, making me interest again. So I'm going to post up a little diagram up here on the screen. And this is what I'm talking about when y'all are paying cash for items. Actually, I picked this up at the, an annual Nelson Nash think tank. This was back in 2020. Um, Carlos Laura actually did this. Uh, he's one of the uh, board members of the Nelson Nash Institute. And I, I just found it really, really interesting because when you put it into a visual format, I don't know about you, but to me, my learning style is definitely visuals. So seeing it out laid out here visually is perfect. So let me post up this uh, diagram up there on the screen. So you see what's going on. You started off at a $0 balance. You save, you save, you save all the way up to your 20,000 and then you're back at zero again. Then what do you do? You save, you save, you save and you're back at the $0 balance again. So 
like we've always said, it's just you are in this financial hamster wheel, saving, 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 paying cash for things, and then you're right back where you started off day one, square one. I do agree, paying cash for things, I do have full ownership of that vehicle now. So what I can do is I can trade it in, I can donate it, I can sell it. I hold 100% rights and ownership of that vehicle. So that's paying cash. Let's move on. Let's talk about bank financing things. When you bank finance things, what you're doing is you're walking into an agreement with a bank or another financial institution and they're making you a loan for that van. So I could have, I could have gone down to the Tampa Dodge dealership and said, hey, I wanna take out a bank loan for this. And they would have issued me a loan. Actually, it was around seven or 8% because I'm young, right? I don't have too much long history of credit and um, I'm a young risky driver. So they were going to issue me a higher interest rate loan for this car. So what I could have done is I could have said, okay, Mr. Car Salesman, I will take that loan. I'll take it. I'll pay the seven to 8% interest. Just tell me what my monthly payments are. And that's what I'm going to be paying to the bank now. Okay, real quick, I kind of just pivoted my uh, setup here because I thought this would be fun. Let's do this live and in action. What I will do is I will go to a website called bankrate.com, B-A-N-K-R-A-T-E.com, and they have these loan calculators on there. And what I could do is I could go in here and I just kind of want to go see. If I were to go down to a bank and let's say that at the bank, I want to take out a loan and let's call it, let's call it the 7%. Let's just say it's 7%. So loan amount, 20,000. Loan terms, let's say five years. Five years is cool. Let's just say five years or 60 months. And let's say our interest rate is 8%. I'm gonna calculate it. So what this is telling me is, is that over the course of the five years, when I take out a loan for 20,000, my monthly payment is $405.53 a month. You take that over the course of the five years, you have paid $24,300 for the car. I'm just rounding down just a little bit. So 24,300 is what you paid for the car. You paid $20,000 in principal, and then you paid an extra $4,300 in interest. So when you go and bank finance for things, Yes, I do agree. I will bank finance for stuff and we like it because maybe right now we don't have the capital or maybe our capital is out there working in other investments that we're doing. So maybe I will go take the loan. Well, if I take the loan from the bank, I'm paying them all of those interest payments. They are collecting me from me over the course of these five years $4,300 just in interest alone. 
Go back to Nelson Nash's book where he talks about it's not about the rate of the interest. It's about the volume of interest, the volume of interest that you are sending out the door to other people. That is what's killing you. So the bank is the one that is getting all of my interest payments. Now, here's something else. Here's another con to it. Why sometimes I don't like to involve the bankers in my life? Because what's this whole concept about? It's about control and ownership. How can I control the environment of where I am leaving my liquid cash at? So when I am in debt to a bank, doesn't matter what's going on in my life, I have to make sure I'm paying the banker that monthly $405 each and every month. If I'm not paying them that monthly payment, they will come out here. They will send a tow truck to my front door and they will start towing my van right off my driveway. I don't want that. But see, bankers, they don't care. They don't care that you have a death in the family. They don't care that you get into an automobile accident and you're out of work for a few months. They simply do not care. They just care if they are gonna get that monthly payment from me each and every month. So the control is with the bankers. The bankers are the ones ones that are in control. But again, I like to bank finance stuff because maybe I don't got the 20 grand. Maybe I need to go borrow it from somewhere. So that is one cool thing about banks that they are there. Now, here's another con though. Something I'm just thinking about right now. I do agree that interest rates offset risk. But if you're too riskier of a borrower anyways, Is that bank even going to give you the loan? No. If you have terrible credit, you've been late on every single payment for every credit card and bank loan that you've ever gotten. Hell no, the banker's not going to give you that loan. So now what are you going to do? I I thought that was one option. I could go to the bank and get a loan for this car, but now they just won't even give it to me because of my history over here. So another con to go in the bank financing route is that you do got to qualify. You got to qualify for that loan. They got to prove you for it. Let's talk about the ownership of the vehicle itself. You don't own that car. Even though your name is written on there, on the registration for the license plate and all of that stuff, you don't own the car. The bank owns the car. Actually, I just had a conversation. I was up in Jacksonville this past weekend. I was speaking at the Jacksonville RIA and I spent the weekend with my best girlfriend up there. She lives in Jacks. And she actually works for a mortgage company. And so folks are calling in, asking questions on their mortgage and their escrow accounts and blah, blah, blah. And what was really funny is she mentioned this comment where a lot of these people that will call into her, they don't understand that they don't own their house. They get so emotionally attached to the house. And I get it because you live there every single day, but they get so emotionally tied to this house and they're missing payments. They can't make their payments. And Sadie's got to sit there. Oh, sorry, Sadie, I used your real name. I don't think she minds. But Sadie will sit there and say, she says, hey, you know, ma'am, I I totally feel you and I get it, but you don't own this house. You got to make these payments. If you don't make 
these payments, the bank's going to come and they're going to foreclose on you or you got to go and you got to sell your house. So start to pick it up. We got to change some things of what's going on here. But now see Sadie, she's not a mentor in, in the money world. So she's just really there for the customer support and care and help for that person. But it, it is really funny. You know, some folks think that even though their name is written on the deed of the house, that they own it. No, you still hold a mortgage on it. The bank honestly owns the house. It's same thing over here with the van example. Even though I'm the one that went out, purchased the car, have all my names and all the papers, the legalities of everything, I don't own the car. The banker's the one that owns the car and I gotta make the payment to them and if I don't, they're gonna come and repo that car right off my lot. However, I do agree that I do think it's important to build up a credit history. I got a lot of friends that are right around my age. They have zero credit. They don't have any credit cards. They're paying cash using their debit cards. And I'm trying to drill it in their brains that y'all just go open up a credit card. I even just had to have this conversation with my younger brother about two years ago. I was like, Zach, you're 20 years old. Just go get a small credit card and just start using it. Don't overspend on it. Just go get a small limit. Let's say it's $500. Just go and use it. Go buy your groceries and just pay off the credit card each and every month because now it'll be there building your credit so that in the future, this will work advantageous in your favor. So I do agree, you know, I do like to take out loans from banks if it will help me in the sense of building my credit. But now, see, I'm not a credit professional, okay? But I feel, and maybe it's not the same, but do I still build up the same credit when I'm using my credit cards as I am if I take out a conventional loan from a bank? I don't know. So personally, up to this point in my life, I've been grateful and enough that I just have never had to go down to a bank and ask to borrow money from the bank because we have engineered the privatized banks within my family's life. I've never had to do that. But if I did or if I would, I wonder if that would help me in any way with building up the credit better. So I don't know, help me folks, educate me. I always say I'm not the brightest candle out there and I'm always learning, so please educate me on that. But there is a prone to taking out a bank loan. You're building up the credit now on yourself and your report. Okay, let's pivot. Let's talk about leasing. If we go out and we lease the car, what does that mean? Leasing equals renting. All you're doing is you're just renting that car for the time being. Now, people like to lease things because they can drive a newer, nicer car for a lower monthly payment. But when you're going in and you're leasing for things, you have no ownership. You are not building up any ownership in that vehicle or anything that you do rent or lease. Even iPhones, right? You could go out and purchase an iPhone and lease the iPhone. I, I remember um, the Sprint days when mom would take us down to Sprint and we, for a little bit there, I, I don't know if we did. I, I think we did. I, I think we leased our older iPhones for a little bit to the point that it came up and said, hey, do you wanna buy this iPhone now? And I think we actually purchased it and we bought it. Or what you could do is you could turn the phone in and then you could just renew the lease plan for a nicer iPhone. Same thing, same thing in the car world. 
All you're doing is you're just renting that vehicle for the time being, and you gotta make sure you take good care of that vehicle. I actually have a friend who leases a Jeep Wrangler. He lives out in Colorado. I heard that he can't put over X amount of miles on that vehicle in a month time frame. I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that they limited the amount of miles that you could put on that vehicle. It kind of makes sense. You know, I just, I didn't know that. I never thought about it. But there's these rules and guidelines that you got to follow because you're renting this item from the dealership. So at the t- at the end of that lease, what will happen is, is that they'll either ask you to buy it. Maybe you'll end up purchasing the vehicle from them or maybe you'll trade it in and then now you'll just update to a even nicer vehicle and now you just repeat the whole cycle. You get your monthly payments and you're just renting the vehicle for the time being. So you know, it is lower cost. That's why we like to rent things, you know, and lease things. It is a lower cost. So now what you got to do is you got to keep going with these monthly payments on the lease. And hey, I mean, same thing, same thing in the bank example, you got to make that monthly lease payment or they're going to come and take that car from you. So Another analogy I kind of want to use just real quick. So an advanced topic for my people who've been around the grapevine for a little bit is it's kind of like whole life versus term life. All right. So go back to my episode where I talk about product talk, but a big argument that I'll get sometimes when talking about this concept is people will say, well, Hannah, I'm just going to buy term term is cheaper. I should just purchase term, right? Well, really, yeah, I agree with you. Term is cheaper, but you're just renting the death benefit. It's just renting that set amount of death benefit for that set amount of time. And then at the end of the time, you got to renew it. So it's going to be more expensive at that time. And maybe later on, you can't even qualify for a new policy. So anyways, when I think about leasing or renting things, I often think a lot about term insurance just because of the field and the industry that I'm in. Um, But an argument I get sometimes is, hey, Hannah, go buy term. It's cheaper. Well, yes, I agree with you. But the whole reason I'm doing whole life is because whole life is like you're buying the house. You're buying the item, right? You're, You're paying the cash for it because what you're doing is now you're taking over the ownership. You're building up the equity. It's an appreciating asset. And that's why we're buying the whole life. Yeah, I get it. It's more expensive. I should do a whole episode on that. No, it's not more expensive. Y'all just don't understand it fully. But anywho, so so it's more expensive because we're buying it, right? Why do we buy houses? Why do we just buy cars in cash? Is it because we want the full ownership of that item? So, all right, we covered the three that are normally out there in traditional means of financing, pay cash, bank finance it, or you lease it. As we know, the infinite banking concept, there is a fourth option. A lot of people don't know about this fourth option, but you are that top 10% and that is why you are here chiming into this YouTube channel. So here's my gift for you. For you being the top 10%, send me an email. 
send me an email, hannah at themoneymultiplier.com, and I'm gonna send you a copy of our free ebook, Mapping Out the Millionaire Mystery. So my gift to you for being the top 10%, I'm proud of you, you are here, you are the action takers, and you are the setters inside of your family and future generations for making the differences. So I applaud you and thank you for being here. Okay, number four, right, is the infinite banking concept. This is how I purchased the van now. I could have totally paid cash for it. I could have totally bank financed it and I could have totally leased it. But what I did is I incorporated the infinite banking concept. So what I did is kind of in line with paying cash for things. So here's what I did. I started saving up. I had to accumulate and save up that capital somewhere. So what I did is I saved it up inside of the policy. So each month, trucking along, putting my premium deposits into that policy till I got to the point that I had enough cash in there that I went in and I was gonna go purchase my van now. So what I did is I walked into the Tampa Dodge dealership. I spoke to my gentleman. I handed over the check, he handed me the van, and we walked away. But even though I've taken out the money inside of the policy and handed over that check to the Dodge dealership, my money never left the policy. It was still growing in there, compounding, uninterrupted, even though I was using the money out here in the real world. Y'all are thinking, what? What's going on? Why, Hannah? And now, if this is maybe some the first time you're ever seeing uh, an episode on this, I would go to our website, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash presentation. And uh, we get really into the nitty gritties and the foundation knowledge of what the infinite banking concept is, the whys, the hows, etc. So... I used my policy because when I start to filter the cash flow through, I never lose out on the opportunity cost, that uninterrupted compounding. Because essentially what I'm doing, when I call the insurance company and I wanna request a loan out from my policy, I am not touching my actual cash bucket that is inside of my policy. What I'm doing is I'm putting my policy up for collateral and I'm taking a loan from the general funds of the insurance company. So that is how and why all of my money is still growing and compounding even though I was using it and I paid for my van out here in the real world. I think that's cooler than cool. Because now what you're doing, go back to the presentation where Brent showed us how we're using the policy to buy the cars and how we get all the money back for all the cars we're just buying, driving, and owning within our lifetime. This is literally the same exact example. It's just instead of that $25,000 car, my van, it was $123,000 for the entire project. I paid about 50 for the van itself. I bought the shell of the van. There was, there was nothing inside of it. And then 
And actually for my nerds out there, because a question I'll get sometimes is, Hannah, well, what kind of van do you have? So I have a 2021 Ram Promaster. It's a 3,500 uh, engine and it's a high roof and it, it's a 156 inch wheelbase. So that's the specific van that I have. No, it's not diesel, it is all gas. Um, but it cost me 50000 And actually, back at the time in 2021, it was the same amount of money, practically, just to go buy new as it was to buy used. So I just decided to go the new route to get all the warranties and all of that stuff and just have the one ownership of me, myself, the only owner of that vehicle. So I went out, I purchased the box shell, and that was fifty. And then I took it to a gentleman who lived in Nashville, Tennessee at the time. And actually we met this gentleman on Shark Tank. Well, sorry, I didn't meet him on Shark Tank. We found him. There was an episode of his company uh, that was on Shark Tank and it was actually my mom. My mom was the one that uh, sent the link and the resource over to me. So shout out to mom. But um, he lived in Nashville at the time and I called him up and I said, Andy, I really want to do this. I want this van and I want to get this thing converted. Can you help me? And Andy said, well, I'm about to finish up on a project right now, but if you put a $5,000 non-refundable deposit down with me today, I'll secure your spot and I'll start working on your van in one month from now. So that's what I did. Honestly, I didn't think a second thing of it. I didn't even go back and ponder on, okay, Hannah, is this something that you really wanna do? No, I just took action. I said, here's the 5,000, hold my spot. I'll get this van up to you. Just tell me when you're ready. I just went with it. I think that's the best thing I've ever done for myself. We actually talked about this on the Ask Me Anything webinar this evening where you can't get paralysis by analysis. You can't just sit there and think and think and think and think about all of the worst possibilities and even the best possibilities that could come out from it. You just gotta start taking the action. I think that's what really sets entrepreneurs from the public and, and the masses because we are always geared to going out there and making decisions on the fly. Do not just get stuck in one place and analyze, analyze, analyze. Nah, just go with it. If you gotta pivot, you gotta pivot, right? As long as you make sure you're doing your due diligence on things, that's all you can ever ask for yourself. So, that's what I did. I put down the deposit for the van. And then a month later, we were talking on budget. We had some Zoom meetings. I told him what I wanted. And I actually gave Andy the full scope of visionary artistic ability. So he actually lived on the road for about three years, him and his partner. And I said, yep, you know what you need in the van. If you're living in the van for three years, you know what you need and you know what you don't need. So I kind of just led with Andy giving me some direction, me telling him specifics that I did want. And he did a phenomenal job. I mean, I love my van. I've even had some issues where my roof rack, so over last summer, 2022, so I was driving west on I-70 and I was driving through Colorado, I was making my way through Utah, and at the time, I don't know, what was I doing? I think it was at the beginning, no. 
maybe it was at the beginning of the year. Maybe it wasn't during summer months. Maybe it was the beginning of the year. Cause I remember going to Tucson for the Gem and Jam Festival. Anywho, it was either at the earlier of the year in February or it's later on like in June or July, August of 2022, but I was driving on I-70 and it was windy. It was so freaking windy. And these clips, they, they were like special clips that were just for my roof rack because my roof rack was actually custom made. A welder went in there and he built all of it. And these clips, they're just like little plastic clips. To be honest with you, that's my only feedback. I was like, why in the hell do you choose these cheap plastic clips? <laughs> so, so they broke and Andy was very generous. I took the van over to him. He fixed everything free of charge. So welded on the point, the part. So it won't go uh, loose again, but, um, anywho, I don't know how, why I got into that story, but I, I took the van up there. He, he did all the remodeling, highly recommend Andy, Andy. So for any of my folks who are looking to get into this van life and want to explore this option, I will turn you on to my people that have really, really helped me in this journey. Um, but, uh, but, but he worked on the van. So over a few months, he was working on it, doing everything. And then around August time, I drove up there with Sadie actually, uh, because Nashville, we love Nashville. So Nashville is one of our favorite cities to go stop at. So I took her with me and, uh, we picked the van up and I picked it up, everything was done, and I delivered the last part of the check. Now, as I'm thinking out loud, here is a um, tip for my young folks out there, okay, for projects. So just hear me out because I've messed up on this before, but do not ever, 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 ever pay a project in full at the start of the project. What you do with your contractors, you pay maybe a third now, a third in the middle, a third at the very end, or maybe you pay half now and then half at the very end, but don't just go in there and pay the full uh, payment of the bill right at the start of the project. You gotta incentivize those people to keep coming back and helping you and doing the best work possible. So anywho, just a side note for my young folks out there, because I've screwed up on that. So I just want to give a PSA to my other people, millennial Gen Z's out there. So, so what I did, we did, um, actually in this one, we did the thirds. So paid a third up front, a third in the middle, then a third at the very end. And what I did is I requested loans out of my policy, right? So I called up the insurance company. I said, Hey, I need about 30,000 now. So I took out the 30,000, paid it to Andy and just rinsed and repeated that for the other two payments too. But when I went in there and I took out for the first transaction that 30,000 and went and paid Andy, that 30,000 never left the policy. It wasn't like in my first example of paying cash for things, I went right back down to zero again. So I like to use the policy because now I'm never going like two steps or excuse me, one step forward, two steps back. I'm always on this trending incline going up and up and up. So that's personally just why I use the policies in my own life is because I'm always creating this perpetual tailwind within my financial life. Hey, just real quick. 
I was going back and we were editing this video and one thing I forgot to mention and kind of a question I get sometimes, you know, when you go and take out a loan from a conventional bank, if you go and you pay them back early, sometimes you're penalized, right? I mean, there's that prepayment penalty that you can come sometimes get if you pay back the loan too early. So one correlation I just want to make to the policy, and you guys ask me this question sometimes, so that's why I thought it'd be important bringing it up. But if you go and you go pay back your policy early, no, you're not going to get penalized in any way. Literally, all you're doing with the policy is, is that you just got to pay the annual simple interest on the policy loan money that you've taken out. So nope, you won't get penalized, no fees, no nothing like that. So anyways, we're just thinking about it. Let's get back into the episode. So I know you hear me talking about this and everybody's different, right? Everybody's got their own goals, their own situation of what they have going on. So write out the pros and cons, write out the pros and cons, write your goals, write the short term, the midterm, the long term goals of where you want to be at and see yourself at and go with that option. I tell you this all the time. There is no silver bullet out there when we're talking about money, finances. Honestly, in all avenues of our life, I don't think there's any one silver bullet. But write down the pros and the cons of where you're looking to go in your financial situation and it'll be very easy to see. So to take it back full circle, journal y'all journal write it down write things down and really get your thoughts out there on paper don't just keep it up here write it down get it out on paper talk to yourself and then also call us up call up a mentor call up people who have been in that scenario before have done that and just ask the questions hey hannah what did you do to go buy this van can you walk me through it and i would do the same thing like i just did here in this episode here today so if this is something that y'all just want to talk more about with me send me an email Hannah at themoneymultiplier.com. You go to our website, get linked up with another mentor on the team as well, but just talk it through, all right? I mean, we never charge for any of our services, the strategy calls that we do. Really, my reason for being here and giving this information out to you is I just want to inform the public. If we have a more strongly informed public, I think this whole generation and the state of our country would be a lot different. <laughs> All right, we're not going to get political though. So just go out there, do your research, call people, ask the questions, and I'm always here to help. And hopefully if you want to practice this concept, you'll want to do it with me because this is 100% of what I do is the infinite banking concept setting up the policies for folks, designing it properly for their needs, their benefits, their goals. And really, my work doesn't begin until your policy goes active. Once that policy goes active, let's say you are that person and you want to go purchase the van just like how I did. There will be a money multiplier map created for you. There will be a cash flow analysis created for you so that you have those visual tools to really help you implement the process of becoming your own banker. And this is a free service. This is a free service that we supply for all of our members here at the money multiplier. 
So let me know how it can help. I hope this help this episode helped you, enlightened you on different ways and why we pay cash, why we bank finance, why we lease things, and why we use the policies. I just touched on one moving component of the policy, which is the uninterrupted compounding growth, but there's so many other things that we could talk about. The tax-free growth is protected from judgments and lawsuits and liens. I got the tax-free death benefit on the policy. Government's completely out of my hair. But we just touched on one moving part of it and how I went and I purchased the van. So later on this year, I am in the market for another car. Um, Right now, actually, I'm driving my mom's car. (laughs) My AC in my Buick. Y'all, my Buick is 12 years old right now. I'm like, holy crap. I actually got the Buick as a graduation present from my mom. And it was her old car. She upgraded. She got a, a 2020 Camaro. So I, I've been driving this car since I graduated high school when I was 17 years old. And um, my AC went out. It's freaking 95 degrees down here in Florida right now. It is hot. So luckily, we had the, the other car. And so mom's let me use that for right now. But I need to get my feet in motion. I need to start placing my orders for this car. Post in the comments below, help me y'all. Here's what I wanna do. I either want a Jeep Wrangler or I want a Ford Bronco. I don't know which one I want yet. So for my car enthusiasts out there, put the comments down below of which ones, why you like it better over the other. Give me your feedback. But um, as always, uh, like, subscribe, rate the podcast channel. I am always here to help you. I mentioned the ebook on this episode, so send me an email. I'll send you a copy of our ebook, Mapping Out the Millionaire Mystery. And until next time, take care, y'all. See you then.